0: Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap podcast with me Clive Glover and with Anna Loft. Hello Anna. Hi Clive. Now it's actually been quite a long time since we've spoken like this because you have been away in France in Paris and uh, that's really sort of the part of what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the differences which we've observed in cultures between basically the UK and France because that's the experience. Although Paris isn't necessarily the same as France, is it?
1: No, I'd say it's kind of a whole different entity of its own. I think you can't even expand outwards to the different areas of France, but I'm sure there are similarities between southern cities and the northern uh, northern cities, Paris, for example. So, yeah, but it, I think it'll be very interesting to see our own perceptions and... Um, Seeing as I've been living there, and you visited Paris, um, I'm sure you've been to other places in France, if I'm right. So it'll be interesting to see what we're both thinking about this. Um, well, I
0: visited Paris quite a lot, though not for some years. But I mean, um, I actually did quite a lot of work there, which involved me staying there for days or weeks at a at a time. So um, I did have quite a lot of experience of Paris about hmm, 25 years ago, I suppose.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure a lot has changed since then. But it could. I wonder. We can see if um, the cultural differences that you've observed are different to the ones that I have. Um, maybe things have changed within French culture over. I'm sure they have over those years. A lot, a lot has.
0: Let's start off. We talk about culture. What what do we mean? I mean, obviously, um, both countries have been around for. I suppose. For- a thousand years roughly and obviously the cultures in both countries have developed over that period and obviously the other thing between the two countries is we've actually been um, antagonistic towards each other including a lot of time at war over that period so you know we have a lot of uh, interactions between our countries um, which is interesting so we both know each other quite well I suppose in that sense um, so, but culture to me is things like obviously music and um paintings art um, yeah poetry literature all those sort of things and um i think that's what i mean it's sort of high culture i suppose is what i'm talking about
1: yeah i think it can also be stripped down to how people are living their day-to-day lives the way they operate when um kind of yeah, how they interact with their families, how they celebrate big events, and potentially Christmas, Easter, um, the national holidays they have. Um, there's so many differences, and definitely, I agree. There's art, literature, um, cinema. There's so many um, different aspects of culture. I think you you can make the biggest mind map about it um, ever. I think it's it's such a broad topic. But I think yeah, it's interesting to define it because it's it's quite I think it's quite a difficult thing to define because it's it's quite um it's very kind of broad.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the things which I have always found not just in France to be honest, but on continental countries sort of like Germany and other countries, is there's much more emphasis to me at, at school in education on learning instruments, things like you know um, classical music instruments, things like a, a violin or um, other other instruments. Um, I'm just trying to think a flute that sort of thing, um, and people have much more knowledge about classical music and the rest of it, I think, than here. Obviously, there's plenty of people in this country who do play instruments and who do uh, play in orchestras and so on, but I don't think it's... It seems to be a bit sort of non-mainstream, I think I would probably put it, whereas in continental countries and Paris and France is very much the same it's very much part of the day-to-day culture I suppose opera is also fits into that we have opera houses people go to the opera but it's not it's not regarded in the same way it's not a sort of popular thing it's really a bit elitist here Um, and in other countries including Paris, France, Italy particularly I suppose for opera it's very much working working persons um, thing
1: yeah, it's interesting how things are accessible to different people in different countries. And also, I think in um, big kind of huge capital cities, the culture can be so different to how it was traditionally just because of the amount of people who have moved there from other countries and decided to make their home Paris and or wherever Um I think that influences the culture that was once there because other people are bringing their influences into the city so that makes it quite interesting but I think Paris feels so kind of the culture feels so preserved because of the buildings are so traditional there's no there's hardly any kind of modern um, areas Um, and that just gives it such traditional feel which makes it so special when you visit I think. Even living there, I, I still have those moments where I think, "Wow." Whereas London, it's not. I know there are traditional places that have been preserved, and you can go and visit. Um, but it's it's so much more modern, and it's developed so much more as a city since then. There's been. Um, I remember hearing when I first went for my uni open day that um, there's kind of a law that's in place that buildings can't be built past a certain height in Paris. There's the I think the the mayors and the government don't don't allow that to preserve kind of the look of the city because it's it doesn't have a skyline there's not really any high-rise buildings again apart from that defense um so yeah it's pretty interesting to go there and see because you you feel like um it's in like the horsemanization era i remember learning about that at school so and uni sorry so yeah it's pretty it's pretty cool to see that it's all been um preserved which i think that's what's so special about it really.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the the height thing is probably to do with the the cathedrals and so on. I mean, as in London, um, you weren't supposed to build anything taller than St Paul's at one point, which obviously is (laughs) not the case now. I know. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so what, I mean, in the time you've been there, have you been to art galleries and museums and so on? Because some of those in Paris are really spectacular.
1: Oh, yeah, 100%. I've been to a lot. It's really great because as a student, I get free access into quite a few of them. And um, it's been, yeah, it's been brilliant to observe all of the artwork. I mean, they're such famous pieces. It was quite funny when um, my friends and I went to see the the Mona Lisa in French called La, Je, La Je yeah. Um Yeah, as I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, and well, we went to visit and it's so much smaller than you would think. Um, it's tiny. It's actually very anticlimactic seeing it. But that was cool to observe such a kind of historical um, painting. And I was thinking, actually, that reminds me, there's been recent protests against paintings and kind of liquid or paints being thrown at them to ruin them. And I suppose that's kind of a, a big symbol of culture. And they would only be chosen because they represent so much of a country's history and... Um, have you seen those the the the, the protest like people have protested against? Well, it, I don't. It, yes. think, yeah,
0: quite a lot. Quite a lot on, a lot on our, our local news about these things occasionally because riots in Paris. Mind you, that's pretty much an annual occurrence, I believe. You know, that yeah, writing, writing season.
1: Oh my gosh, that's. I was thinking, when I was thinking about this podcast. I was I was really considering that because there's been. It, there's so much more of a culture there of striking. It, it's ingrained. It has been for years. Whereas in the UK, I think there's a lot more hesitancy and there's a lot more like, um, uh, co-cooperational kind of debates between the government and unions. But here, the stri- in Paris, sorry, the strikes. It, it's ridiculous. The last term, I had, um, there was the retirement age reform strikes. Um, and that they were going on for weeks. They really affected the metros. They had a huge impact on the functioning of the city. Um, and they're way more accepted um, in society. It's really interesting to observe, though, because I I didn't... It felt... It was huge. It was a really kind of big deal. But um, there's been also the recent riots after um, the killing of the young boy, which was really upsetting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well,
0: I think, I think right. the difference here is that we do have obviously protests and, and um, strikes and so on, but in general they are peaceful and you can get thousands of people marching along with banners and shouting things and so on, but that's how far it goes. But the kind of riots which are common in France, of you know. Burning cars and smashing into buildings and breaking into shops and whatever um, is not the tradition here. I mean, it does happen occasionally, but it's it's very rare and will be very much the sort of main news item for days on end if that happens.
1: I know, I know exactly. It, it's 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 interesting to see the differences. I mean, there's there was it all kind of started with um, the yellow vests and the gilets jaunes, and that was kind of became very famous. Um, and then yeah it's kind of it's just within the culture since then it's been very kind of um, or it, it was very frequent the amount of strikes that there are it, as you said it seems like it's just kind of every year there's multiple or at least once a year um, yeah I think it's also one of the cultural aspects
0: of this is that in France um, the government or the president are assumed to be basically sort of like have godlike powers to sort, sort all the problems out. So, you know, all protests say, you know, president do this or government do that. Um, and in this country, it's a bit more nuanced. We sort of be, people will be marching against a particular policy or a particular minister or something like that. Um, and it's much more targeted. Um, omnipotent. I can't get that Omni
1: right. Omnipotent?
0: That's about right, yeah.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> um, you know, we don't have a government that can just basically pass a decree and everything is sorted out. And the attitude in France is very much that the government is in charge of everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Kind of the way that it's, it pans out and like the political side of things is, is different. There was so much pressure in France over the retirement ages on Macron. I remember it actually was very, you felt kind of anticipation in the city. It felt very kind of everyone was on edge and we, I was in my uni lessons and my professor was talking to us about updating us about what was happening and it, it was all kind of building up to this moment where they were voting. Um, and, yeah, it was really interesting. And it is cool in um, France. You can actually go and do a tour of the Assemblée Nationale. Anyone can go. And you can also sit in on a debate if you want. I'm yet to do it. I've been on a tour, but I'm yet to um, um, see a debate happen live. But, uh, yeah, I think that's really cool that they allow access into that. I mean, I don't... Can you do that in Parliament? I don't know. I was, I was going to say, yes, you can, absolutely. You I can. I've
0: done it before, yeah. I think if you ask your local Member of Parliament, they can arrange for you to go and ha- have
1: a visit. I think a lot of people don't realise you can do that. I mean, and then they would never... It's not something that's really advertised. I, you know? I don't
0: know. I mean, I think... Um, well, I know it because I've done it before and um, I've arranged it for other people, so it, it's, um, it's quite common. Um, but, yes, it's... Well, I suppose they couldn't advertise it too widely, otherwise they'd have... Far too many people. I mean, the public galleries in the House of Commons are only, I don't know how many
1: people can get in there. hundred people would probably be a maximum. Exactly. No, it makes sense. It really makes sense. It's not like um, a football
0: stadium. <laughs> no,
1: ex- exactly. <laughs> um, one, li- this is a really minute difference, but I've really noticed it when I first arrived in Paris, that in the UK there's such a culture when you are on the uh, tube um in saying well in london um you wait the the common socially accepted practice. you wait for the people to get off before you get on it's mm-hmm. totally not the same in paris like nobody does that you just barge on try and get your way on and, and everyone is so impatient they don't move out the way from you it's really bizarre i don't know why it's like that but i really i don't know why it, it just really i really noticed it because kind of annoyed me i thought well that's not very helpful it's not really gonna work well but um yeah, that was a little different.
0: That's definitely a, a culture thing because it's about queuing. In this country, we are used to queuing for anything. You go to a shop and there's 10 people. They'll line themselves up in a, in a queue and they'll wait their turn. Exactly. In, in other countries, and Paris is a good example, um, people will see that. They'll just barge into the
1: front and demand to be served. I know, it is, I don't understand why that's accepted, but it's interesting to see the difference. I think queuing is probably more efficient. I don't know, I I suppose it's just something you learn as you grow up and you you go with the norm, but I don't, yeah, it's interesting how that's developed. I mean, the UK, especially um, England, are known for being very polite and socially conforming, so maybe it's just a difference in Paris and maybe in big cities as well it's a little bit different people are a bit more abrupt and not as willing to take time everyone's busy on their way back from work and they've got things to do people to see Um, right but if
0: you get on the tube in London and there's you know the seats are all full and somebody gets on who's got a a walking stick or something like that or perhaps a a pregnant woman um, there's almost invariably someone's going to get up and give them their seat yeah, I don't think you'll find that happen very often in Paris either.
1: Yeah, I've seen it a few times, but I don't think it's as common as common. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think it's as common, really, um, which mm. is. Interesting.
0: But that's that's one aspect. But I mean, that's to some extent in a city, of course, people are, always seem to be moving faster or wanting to go everywhere very quickly in a way that, you know, if you're in a sort of country village somewhere, either in England or in France, is very different. The pace of life is different
1: exactly and something else that's really different I noticed is um this is on a different topic about they I think in Paris there's such a big appreciation and love for good quality food products you that on my road that I'm living on there's so many lovely delis and specific specific sorry food shops um and loads of boulangeries bakery and people tend to buy their food fresh rather than doing big like in the uk you see people doing weekly food shots for the family that's not as common in france you don't see that especially in big capital city like paris the supermarkets are way smaller anyway so you don't really have the same um same size and people don't do that as often but it's interesting i've started doing that now i only buy for the night that i'm cooking really um because it's nicer to buy the food fresh and if you've got shops that's so close to you you may as well just do that i mean i am cooking for myself so it's a bit different but no, no, I think
0: that that's actually something which is really very good because um, in this country we used to have um, we used to have sort of local food shops and you went every day to go to buy food. Um, and, of course, we've been replaced by supermarkets because I think supermarkets now are obviously the main place people go to get their food. And as you say, you drive in and you go out and then um, buy a week's worth at a time. So you've got stuff which is not as fresh as it could be
1: yeah and there's just it's so lovely food shopping in Paris because there's so many lovely places to buy from um I'm sure there are a lot of places like that I know there are in London um but they're so in there's kind of I think French food is is very kind of um something that other people are aware of when visiting the country like the cheese the wine the bread um yeah it's it's kind of something that you stereotype about the country, I'd say.
0: You just just described the perfect meal, haven't you? French bread, French cheese and French wine. There you go.
1: <laughs> perfect combination.
0: Yeah, oh, totally. I think in the past, um, French cuisine was regarded as very much the sort of best in the world. I think that's changed quite drastically now. It seems mm. that the Italian food has sort of taken over completely around the world you know everyone across europe basically eats pasta and pizza and all that sort of stuff and they probably don't have cocoa van in the same way these days
1: no i don't think it is as kind of appreciate as yeah put on a pedestal as much they do i uh, there's a lot of um restaurants in paris i know i'm only speaking from a paris perspective i don't can't really say anything for the rest of france but um there's a lot of restaurants where it feels so much more traditional than the uk the waiters are wearing traditional outfits there's um there's a chain called Bouillon, which is um they have they have a restaurant called like Chartier and different restaurants in Paris, um and it's very traditional. They do like a three wine by the carafe, um they do three course meals, very traditional French food like steak and frits or um, snails to starters, really obscure food but very traditional. So I think those kind of places I think there's a um a one in France to preserve their own culture like they're pr- I think they're very proud of their heritage that's the kind of impression I get
0: absolutely and do those restaurants have red and white check tablecloths that's the important thing
1: yes yeah, so, so I think some of them do or white tablecloths it was it is amazing I'd recommend it to anyone visiting it's so cool to be in that environment I go loads and it's kind of, it's very affordable as well so it's really nice to visit that
0: Hmm. right so um we've done that we've done food we've done art and so on how about um
1: music music yeah well I actually you say that I recently went to a French festival um which was cool they have um ah it's hard to say the differences they have obviously French rap um hip-hop Lo- same genres essentially which makes sense because they're they're universal but um it's it's I just find listening to French music so beautiful when they sing I don't I really it sounds quite poetic maybe but they maybe that's just because I am learning French and I'm not a native um but I don't know what's your do you know many much French music
0: well, only some old artists I've actually seen. I mean, for example, the, the late Johnny Alliday, I actually saw him at a concert once, which was quite, and he was very good, but he was sort of, he was kind of their Elvis Presley.
1: Oh, okay. I haven't um, heard of him, actually.
0: Well, no, I mean, you may not have done, but he was he was probably the sort of top star there for many years. And i say he, he died probably five or six years ago now, but they, they had a state funeral for him, so, you know. <laughs>
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. He was really kind of celebrated. Absolutely, yes. Johnny Alliday Look him up. Um, I, I, say, I really do recognise the name. I just have never listened to his music. No, but I
0: mean, French pop music particularly has always been a bit of a joke in this country, I think, because a lot of it is sort of um, copying British or American songs. But they have got their own sort of ones now, I think, which are probably much better. But they still don't get out very far. That's the thing. I mean, obviously, British and American music conquers the world with these things because i suppose it's in english which is also very common that's another cultural thing i would mention actually about paris um certainly you know when i first went there which was a long time ago so far ago i won't mention it um it would be very unusual to find people speaking english and they would make a particular point of you know speaking very fast in french to you deliberately um, but nowadays speaking english is pretty common i believe obviously um they welcome you speaking in French if you can, um, but it's not really so so different. And I think that that's one of the things is different that, um, and they probably don't like it much. But English has taken over slowly as very much a world language, so they have to deal with it. But Definitely. I used as a civil servant, I used to go to meetings which had multiple um, countries, obviously EU type meetings, and it was always funny that every country representative was speaking English except one.
1: Yeah oh really oh interesting
0: and you'd find you know obviously hungarians would speak english quite happily or um you know obviously scandinavian countries but even belgium they speak english but the french one would absolutely insist on speaking french
1: interesting you say that i would say i would totally agree i was actually talking to my family about this i totally agree that so many more people speak french now within especially in a capital city there's no english sorry sorry english um but I have had a few experiences where I haven't understood a French person and I've said, would you be able to explain this in English, please, or, sit or speak a bit more slowly? And they were very affronted by the fact that I asked them to speak English and they felt they were very offended and annoyed with me. So it is still a thing that people don't think that they should be able to speak French in their own country, which I understand, but also... You have to expect there to be people who aren't fluent in your language, and we'd accommodate to a French person speaking um, English in our country. Uh, no, sorry. Oh no, actually, we wouldn't, would we? We wouldn't. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting confused. We wouldn't accommodate someone really speaking English French. I don't think people would be able to understand them. Uh,
0: Occasionally, we might, but yes, I mean, it's, it's assumed everyone's got to speak English because that's what we do.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, may, I think the when English is so widely spoken it does make it harder for English speakers in a foreign country to learn their language because so many people people have English as their second language that and we and I'd say the British population maybe either don't have second languages or only do if they have um a mother or father or family members who are from who come from a different country um so yeah I don't know it's some people are quite affronted by. It. I've had a few situations that have been a bit awkward. Um,
0: so I, I think
1: yeah. that probably that
0: you having a pretty good knowledge of French and being able to speak it to a large extent would be welcomed by them, and they'd accept. Maybe you're not perfect, and that you some things you don't understand. So it seems slightly odd, you know, when you've gone to the trouble of learning the language and speaking it to them, um, that that they don't think you speak it perfectly is a, a bit sort of odd,
1: isn't it? I know. I mostly get a really good kind of feedback when I try reaction I'd say when I try and speak French um to I work in a restaurant so when I speak French there usually it's great and people are really accepting and they understand and they ask me where I'm from but they still continue speaking French with me um so that's really great um really really helpful yeah yeah I think
0: actually a few years ago they passed a law saying that any meetings being held in in France had to be in French and I was working for an international organisation based in Paris where everybody spoke English all the time, including the French people. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. I even um, spoke to somebody who came into the restaurant who, funnily enough, was from um, near Where Do I Live, which was very random. Um, but he was saying he works in a company. He's lived in France. He has a French wife. But he's lived in France and he worked, yeah, works for a company and they, he mostly speaks English because everyone in the office speaks English. And I think he thought, well, working in France, I'll really get to utilise my language skills. And that hasn't been the case. And I think sometimes as an English speaker living in France, they'd employ you in a job where it, that necessitates English. So, yeah. Mm. Well,
0: obviously it's a language which is now, you know, it used to be very much a worldwide language if you look at things like United Nations. In the early days, everything had to be done in English and French as yeah. languages. And now, obviously, English dominates everywhere.
1: Oh, totally, totally. Which um, is it, great. It's useful to a certain extent, but if you are trying to learn a different language, it definitely makes it harder. Right. Definitely.
0: So, okay. We, we- getting towards the end of this now so let me see what do you think is the sort of biggest surprise that you have come across in terms of sort of cultural attitudes in in Paris
1: oh great question biggest surprise Um, in cultural attitudes probably I'd say the friendliness there's there's such a stereotype about Parisians that they're not friendly they are hard um, to like crack Um, but I work with um, Parisians and they're so lovely and it's so easy to get along with them and even with um, even with people that I meet randomly they've been so friendly so I, I don't think that's actually that much of a stereotype maybe it depends on I think generationally it depends if I'm being honest but um, I have found that people have been really welcoming actually which has been really really Um, comforting as someone who's only just moved there. Um, So that has been a big surprise, actually, because there's so much spoken about the way that people are welcomed and if they are accepted. And and people say that prisons can be a little bit arrogant, but I I don't know, I don't really agree on the whole with that. Uh, (laughs) And obviously it's a generalisation anyway. So I've been really pleasantly surprised by the friendliness that I've been met with. So, yeah, i would say that was the biggest kind of surprise. Right. Well, it sounds
0: like a very positive surprise. Um, I think the story I always remember is the, the sort of out of Paris um, in small towns and villages. If they see a car coming in with the, I think it's 95, isn't it? The Paris number on, on the number plate. They
1: I think sort of,
0: so. They immediately think, oh, my goodness, we don't want to speak to these people. They're damn Parisians coming here.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that can be the case for some people. Um, it's a shame, really, because I don't think it, I think it's, I really do think it can be generational, if I'm being honest. And it, it as always, it just depends on the person, really. Um, sometimes people can be abrupt and sometimes not as friendly, maybe, as in the UK, but I think that's more because you, it feels, it feels like they're not because they don't speak the same language as you. I think if they spoke the same language you'd I'd feel more welcomed or someone would visiting Paris for example I think because you don't speak the same language it it feels a bit like disjointed and awkward maybe
0: hmm okay right well um that's been very interesting so um you're looking forward to presumably you're going back to Paris shortly
1: I am going back soon I'm really excited to go back but it has been very lovely coming home it's been quite a sanctuary um coming back I have to admit but, yeah, it's been really interesting to discuss, actually. a Good time for reflection, I'd say.
0: Yeah. well, We put the good
1: weather on for you as well. Yeah, oh, totally. I mean, e- to be honest, in Paris, it's been about 26, 27 before I left. It was so hot, Um, but I really like it that way, actually.
0: Well, it's got lots of nice parks you can go and sit in and walk around, isn't it?
1: That's totally. A- and a- you know a- what? So Instagram is so great for this. I follow this account, which is so useful. It's... Um, it gives you like recommendations per arrondissement and it's really helpful. And um, there's loads of stuff on TikTok and on Instagram about recommendations. So I've learned about some new parks through that. There's loads of really nice places. Um, yeah. Okay. Perfect for summer.
0: Absolutely. Well, I haven't been to Paris for a few years and maybe I'll get around to it again sometime soon. Um, yes. Okay. Do it. Well- so well, thanks very much, Anna. It's nice to talk to you again, and uh, I hope we can actually do this more often now. Uh, definitely,
1: definitely. There's,
0: there's no barrier in speaking to each other across the
1: across the Manche. Course, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, no, I totally yeah. It's great that we can do it online. I think it's such a such an accessible way Absolutely. to do it.
0: Right. Well, thanks very much. And uh, right, you've been listening to the Generation Gap Show here with me, Clive Glover, and with Anna Lofts. Who is not yet speaking fluent French, but obviously will be very shortly, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) Thank you for the encouragement. I hope, I hope. It's improving, and that's all I can ask for at the moment. (laughs) Right, thanks very much. Okay, bye then.